0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
1: That's what the poster said?
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now.
1: What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. Yes.
0: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
1: Bet this football season with MyBookie. Use promo code Gators and get a free $20 wager with your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. gators breakdown because there's never a dull moment in gator nation the gators breakdown podcast is ready to go i'm your host david waters and you can find me on twitter at gator Dave, underscore sec and look i mean We've got some good news on the recruiting front, so you know we've got to cover recruiting just a bit. I don't cover it too much during the season because football, you know, usually the, the game itself, the game on the field usually takes over a, in the fall, but, uh, you know, recruiting never stops. And when that news hits, uh, we'll, we'll dive even more uh, into recruiting. So here we go. Corey Bender from Gators territory on the Rivals Network We join me here on this episode of Gators Breakdown as we talk about the big commitment of Jeremiah Scooby-Williams of course and look there might be more commitments on the way and very soon as well so we'll get into all that all recruiting talk here with Corey Bender and we'll get his thoughts also uh, as you know the roster uh, how it's been built the last couple years to recruiting and maybe looking forward uh, a bit as well into that 2022 class and a big time commit maybe on the way soon uh, for the Gators but before we get there Remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes, as well as News 4 Jack's coverage of the Gators. Please share, rate, and review the show on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit that sub- hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. Or if you just want the audio version, check us out on your favorite podcast platform. And follow Gators Breakdown on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at gators breakdown and don't forget you can also get your gators breakdown merchandise at ebay.com str gators breakdown that's ebay.com str gators breakdown for your new look gators breakdown merchandise a lot of good options there men's women's orange blue whatever color you want uh, got the new traditions there of course, uh, that, that shirt, you can see it on the YouTube version as well. Or you can head to ebay.com slash str slash Gators Breakdown to check out all the Gators Breakdown merchandise there and support Gators Breakdown if you want to in that fashion. And joining me now here on Gators Breakdown is Corey Bender from Gators Territory on the Rivals Network. Corey, first of all, man, congrats on the birth of your baby boy. And I, I hope baby mama and, and you are doing well
0: no we are man thank you so much for having me on dave and uh yeah we're just adjusting we're in the hospital all last week we got home on sunday and uh about 48 hours in now with the baby at home so no everything's going good um can't couldn't be more happier where i am right now in life and everything's just clicking well like i said the baby boy is doing well his name's aiden and uh yeah man just plugging along learning on the fly trying to be a good dad like you man
1: <laughs> it uh it takes work man so <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah right no it's been tra- it's, like i said we're all learning on the fly first kid and uh no, it's been amazing, man. Like I said, it's a surreal experience, man. Like first time hearing him cry, and now coming home with the you know the home we bought for him and the room we got ready for him. It's just kind of I'm just happy for him that he has a good place to stay, and we couldn't be more happier. So I appreciate you asking about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's a it's a fun adventure. I'll I'll give it that. It is it, it, yeah, it is fun. Yeah. <laughs> just just like uh, the moniker of the podcast there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. There's never a dull moment in being a parent either. <laughs> yep, absolutely, man. You could have. Yep. All right, let's get into some recruiting talk here, Corey. And uh, heck, we got to start with the news—the big commitment of linebacker Jeremiah Williams from the state of Alabama. You know, Florida long had been in the mix. It was thought to be an Auburn-Florida Auburn, battle for, for a while. Uh, maybe a couple of times he should have committed to Florida before he did. But look, I mean, we got close to the decision. Florida was the pick. Where, where does he fit? Is, is he a, a pure linebacker at the next level? Is he at that outside linebacker defensive end? Where, where do you see him fitting?
0: His frame kind of reminds me of Diabate coming out as far as his size and build. It's funny, you watch him on film, he's very fluid, he changes direction well, he accelerates well. He's just a really good athlete, like you said, there's options with him. I think, obviously, if he continues to add weight and fill out his frame, which I think you can, he definitely has room to add weight. I think he will be that natural-type buck position, staying up on the edge. I feel like that's where he's most effective, but I think he can definitely play that traditional linebacker position as far as um, operating in space you know, turning his hips and running a little bit, changing direction. He definitely has athletic traits to do that. Um, I think a lot of it's going to depend on how he fills out. And obviously having Nick Savage on campus, I mean, you can have a better strength and conditioning coach to really kind of reach his potential physically. Um, As of right now, I almost, it's funny, I like him more as a traditional linebacker. I know a lot of other people like him standing up at Buck. But if I had to pick between the two, um, I like him more in in space, man. I really like his his ability to change direction, um, just kind of operate in space, especially if the quarterback's scrambling, gets out of the pocket. The way he can backpedal and covers and kind of break off his back foot and come forward, he accelerates so well. And he's, like I said before, he's fluid. So I think right now I like him as a traditional linebacker, outside linebacker, I should say. Uh, but definitely considering, you know, his age and how much he's going to fill out, I think Buck is probably a good bet as well. But like you said, it's a good it's a good problem to have, right? I mean, you have a kid that can play multiple key positions in Florida's defense. Um, but like, I think it's going to depend on how he fills out. And, you know, I, I, right now I like him as a traditional outside linebacker more.
1: I'm glad you said that. I, I brought that up in the previous episode that we recorded uh, on Monday, right the day of his commitment. And look, we're Florida, and we see him struggling in that position right now. You see Amari Bernie not necessarily at that outside linebacker spot, not being able to get it done. You know James Houston fills in there a bit uh, as well. So you know, after seeing the struggles of what we thought was another versatile player with Amari Bernie, now you know it's like, uh, can, can we get Williams in there who can you know fill that role much like you're saying, fill that role better?
0: No, absolutely. I, mean, I think we talked about this before. Florida has a lot of versatile guys in the d- defense, like you said, Mari Bernie, who is a wide receiver safety come out of high school. But we kind of knew with his frame, he's kind of probably going to grow into a linebacker. And like you said, probably he hasn't really reached his full potential. I feel like at linebacker, I know he's been moved on the defense. But with Jeremiah, I think, like you said, you watch his traits compared to Bernie. coming out coming out high school. Um, Jeremiah just has I love his burst and fluid. How fluid he is, and I think with him, he can definitely slide in fairly early um, as long as he learns the playbook and kind of gets everything I mean it's always a story you can have the most talented kid in the world come to campus it's all about digesting that playbook and kind of learning the ins and outs of SEC football And that's it's a matter of how talented you are it's always a learning process so um yeah I, I believe with him I think it's going to be he's the guy who can definitely kind of step in fairly early I don't know if he'll make a huge impact as a true freshman but a guy they definitely can rely on as far as here and there especially in passing downs or I mean, he's one of those guys, too. You see the before and after pictures, guys that enroll early, and then you see him in June, five months later. Some of these kids look completely different under Nick Savage. So either way, they, they have options with him, and uh, he's more of a traditional guy where I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of uncertainty uh, surrounding his positional fit. I think Florida definitely has a good player with him.
1: And let's keep the uh, that position going a little bit. Let's keep it at linebacker and, and two more linebackers that look to be making decisions soon. Xavier mm-hmm. Sory, Uh Gators are in the mix here, along with Alabama and Georgia. Getting Williams, you know, certainly helps Florida uh, right now, but could it hurt them with one of these with these other linebackers? And you know, it seems like uh, UF is in serious consideration for Sory. Uh, so, you know, that, that's probably the one to watch out the most here out of these two. But uh, getting Williams at linebacker, how does that affect uh, maybe one of these two guys?
0: I definitely softens the blow as far as if you don't get sorry. I think with sorry, which makes it so interesting, because everyone knows how hard Florida's been recruiting him since his freshman year. Florida, I mean, Coach Sal was the one who offered him, and I think it was his first offer during his freshman year. Um, Florida is his mother's favorite school, and he's been to campus over a handful of times, so it's always somewhat of a stinger when you miss out on kids, especially when the race is this close. Uh, but I think, obviously, adding Jeremiah Williams, they're two different type of players as far as their positional fit, in my opinion, on defense. But it definitely softens the blow, um, considering just where people thought Florida stood with Williams like about a month ago. I think once the pandemic hit and when he nearly committed Florida the first time, people thought, okay, he was probably going to stay home in Auburn. And I thought that too for a while, just considering he couldn't get back out the campuses and stuff. But I don't think it affects them as far as numbers-wise, but it definitely softens the blow a little bit if they miss out on sorry. Um, and in regards to the story, too, it's going to be interesting. A lot of the buzz last week uh, before I went on leave, a lot of this has been Georgia. I know he actually got off the Florida's campus over the past week, too, to kind of get back there from there. just kind of get Florida back in his mind a little bit. Um, based off everything I've been hearing over the last week, I know Georgia's been fairly confident there. And I know there's been Georgia commits over the past couple of weeks, too, that have been kind of putting the word out there that they think they're going to get him. Um, and I know he visited Georgia, too, during the pandemic. That was one of the lone schools before he got out to Florida last week. Um, as far as one of the schools he actually got out to, and that played a big that, that was a huge role like I said I mean a lot of these kids whatever's the most fresh in their mind as far as the visit that usually plays a big role especially when it comes down to crunch time it, it's so hard to predict within there because right now my pick is Georgia many all along thought was Alabama and Florida in the close battle um, with Florida just coming up short and Alabama getting the lead there <laughs> uh, but now that he's got back to Florida I mean it's it's made it way more interesting than it was a week ago. And uh, I know a lot of the buzz, national buzz, is Georgia right now. Um, and the same for Smell Munden. I think, like I said, we'll touch on him after. But I don't think, like I said, with Sori, it's hard to give a concrete prediction with him right now. He keeps things close to best. And Christian Robinson has done such an outstanding job recruiting him, too. That relationship is very strong. Just like it was with Jeremiah Williams, the same with Smell um, Christian Robinson is the lead recruiter for all three of those guys. And it just echoes the show, like, how good of a uh, recruiter Robinson is. But I think right now, with Story, I'm still leaning slightly to Georgia. But like I said, that's not my final prediction. I'm just, based off everything I've heard from the national side and sources up in Athens, too, Georgia feels pretty good about him right now. But, you know, you got to kind of make you think twice now that he's been back up to Gainesville. So, um, like I said, I don't think anyone has a clear cut idea of where he's going to go right now, but whoever he does choose, it's going to be extremely close battle to the finish line, and one of these schools, their heart's going to be broken, unfortunately. You know, that's how recruiting is, so yeah, right now, slightly, I, I have Georgia you know, over Florida for um, for am sorry, but that's not my final prediction.
1: And look, as long been thought, when you discuss Soar, you also have to bring up safety Terry and Arnold, uh, as there's been yeah. talk, you know, that they'd like to play together. If Soar yeah. ends up anywhere but Florida, how much does that hurt the Gators' chances for Arnold?
0: You know, it you know was funny. I, I think it definitely makes Arnold think a little bit, but Ar- Arnold's very thorough with his recruitment. Like you can tell, like he's he's in no hurry. He's gonna take us to the finish line as far as signing day. Um, right now, that's my pick for Arnold is Florida. And like I said, we have three, four months left to go mm-hmm. with this. Uh, but a lot of the national buzz right now is with Florida as far as turning on Arnold. I know all of us, the staff is really prioritizing. I mean, I don't, most of the schools that are in this top group are offering the opportunity to play basketball as well. I don't think sorry going somewhere else would be a game like it would completely diminish whatever school's chances that would be. But you definitely I mean, they definitely want to play together. And that's key. Uh, but I think as far as would it hurt Florida's chances if Story went elsewhere, I don't believe so. I think, like I said, I think Arnold, he likes he's a certain guys he would like to play with, but he's a very thorough kid. He does his research, and I think he understands it's more than just having a buddy to go to school with. I think he, obviously, the relationships with Florida are very strong. he He's told me many times he sees an opportunity to hit the field very early at, at, up in Gainesville. Um, just a lot of familiarity there, you know, especially with Florida State having a down year. Any other year, so you said this five, six years ago, you like, can never rule out FSU with a mm-hmm. Tallahassee kid. But having them struggle, I think, was even more key and helps Florida that much over the long haul. Um, but no, I don't think it's going to affect it too much, man. I really don't. I think Arnold, he's just very thorough with his recruitment. He knows what he wants in the school. And I think right now, I mean, Florida has to feel very confident about him. I think Florida's sitting in a great spot.
1: Sounds good there. Sounds good there. And pretty much, I mean, I'm sure it won't take long here. You kind of already mentioned it, but Smell Munden, pretty much a lot to Georgia at this point.
0: At this point, yeah, man. I mean, he visited, I think it was last, last time he was in campus. I think it was, yeah, last season, um, the very beginning of the season, last time he was in Gainesville. Um, It's just in Georgia. they've, They've held up on him to campus, oh man, a countless amount of times. It's an in-state school and the biggest word with him when I think of as is familiarity there's so much familiarity mm-hmm. between him and Athens and I think for many months now people have penciled in Georgia and that momentum has only grown in recent months um so yeah I've been Christian Robinson like I said like he he loves Christian Robinson he always raves about him but I don't think that and like I don't think that relationship will be enough to put photodor at the top especially since he hasn't been to campus and basically a year now I mean that always hurts a kid's chances as far as ending up at your favorite school when you haven't been there in so long. Obviously, the pandemic didn't help with that. So, yeah, I think proximity and the familiarity factor with Georgia is going to win out for them, you know, as far as with him. So, yeah, I think m- many UFNs should definitely not get their hopes up with Smell Monday. He's a talented player. Um, he has nothing but positive things to say about Florida. And there's a long time, too, where Florida, we do a ranking contenders piece at Rivals, and Chad Simmons, who's more doubted than any national analyst I can think of, he's always put Florida as that number two school based off the relationship with Christian Robinson. But, I don't think it will be enough. Georgia is definitely the the strong prediction right now for him.
1: All right, and then if we keep uh, going here, and of course, you know, I got to make sure we get the the, um, the pronunciation right. Uh, of course, every time here, t- to me say Adilié. Florida, Texas A&M, Alabama, previously committed to Ohio State. And, you know, we're now decommitted from there. And Florida was thought to be the pick uh, there. But we don't know when he's going to make the decision uh, you know, between these three schools. But it does definitely seem to be a three-horse race now for for, for Tamise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And before he committed to Ohio State, Tamise always used to say, Florida was the school recruiting me the hardest. Like he would have – he told me every staff member from support staff to – all the, all the positional coaches were really recruiting hard. Obviously, you've got David Turner, Dan Mullen, then you have Coach Cooper, obviously, in the sports staff. All those guys have really constructed really great relationships with him. And also, the other parts, he has family all across the state of Florida, and he always calls the state of Florida his second home. Um, you know, Kamar Wilkinson, um, obviously, he reclassified. He's up in Gainesville already, mm-hmm. but he was a big factor the first time around as far as where Florida was standing. Um, and right now, I mean, it's, he's another one as far as kind of a story where he keeps things close to best and kind of keeps people guessing because I could see Alabama being the pick. He always says, like, it, it's – he. I think he said it in fact. He says, basically, sometimes it's dumb not to pick Alabama because all the tradition, how they pump out right. NFL play. And then you have Texas A&M where he's like, hey, that's the home state. I mean, there's something about putting it out for the home state. And, you know, with Jimbo Fisher and them, there's always a buzz down there. Like I said, it's just a great place to play, a big, great college town. And then you have Florida that checks off so many boxes as well. Um, he's another kid where – it's so hard to kind of put a concrete prediction on him. I know many people I've talked to in recent months, I should say more recent weeks have kind of said, Hey, if I had to give a rough prediction, Florida would be my pick, but he can roll. He can say, Hey, I'm coming next week and either school would not surprise me whatsoever. Uh, But as far as Florida, there's a lot of familiarity there. I mean, his outstanding relationship with the coaches, I believe that was the last visit he took um, right before the pandemic. I think that's, I don't know if he's been on the road recently, but I think that was the last campus visit he took unless he went to A&M for that Florida game. But um, either way, like Florida checks up a lot of boxes and the relationships are the main things that really come to mind. David turns out an outstanding job recruiting them. Um, having family all across the state of Florida really helps, you know, you know, Camar's in his ear. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that Florida offers him. He's def- is definitely very appealing. Um, but same, like I said, with story, it's very tough at this point to kind of get concrete prediction. What I think the important thing with him is he still wants to get out on the road, regardless of the dead period. He wants to get back on these campuses and kind of take his own little tours and that's kind of key with that. And so I think if he gets back to Florida, that's going to be a huge a huge factor, in my opinion, as far as his final decision. Um, and I think – I know Florida obviously hopes he comes back to campus and does his own little tour as well. But, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a tough one to really predict. But Florida checks off so many boxes here, and there's definitely a lot of confidence up in Gainesville as far as getting his signature when it's all said and done.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good here. And then, of course – one place you you can't have too many highly rated players in depth is along the offensive line, and the Gators are training for North Carolina offensive lineman Yusuf McGarble. He looks to be committing on November seventh. Uh, I think that was the date I saw, and you know, his name's been around uh, recruiting for the Gators a little bit now. Uh, but the Gators are picking up steam here as a team to beat.
0: Yeah, so even back all the way back in the spring, he took he took a virtual visit back in the spring. Um, he's been talking to Coach Hevesy day in and day out. That relationship is very very strong. And um, he's a versatile kid, man. I think overall, I know some people see him as a right tackle. Some people see him as a pure guard. We all know what Coach he loves. He loves guys that can kind of interchange, go play multiple positions. And that's exactly what Yusuf can do. He can play right tackle. I think long-term, probably his best fits inside. Um, but, yeah, that relationship's really strong. Ford is trending there. And um, our national recruiting director, Mike Farrell, um, he recently told me, too, that, he believes many sources have told him it's close to a done deal with that one that florida's definitely really trending there um he's, he's basically watched all the games basically all Florida's games game this year he's came away very impressed and uh as far as like you said florida has a florida's recruiting class has been interesting as far as along the offensive line as far as the guys they took early and who some of the guys they've offered late but one source told me many months ago and it was him and, it was yusuf and diego pounds north carolina they said we're gonna like Florida was gonna get either one of those kids I was back like, in May and I was like well who knows it's the pandemic these kids have to get on campus first I mean that's a hard pull when they haven't visited but here we are here we are basically going in November and Yusuf is trending for Florida so um as of right now like I said he's another one that really does interviews I actually talked to him last night about nine o'clock last night but he was busy doing some stuff he's supposed to call me back here today um to kind of talk more about Florida but Going into his November announcement, um, Florida definitely feels good. That's what my prediction is as well. And like I said before, our national recruiting director, Mike Farrell, he's talked to many sources, and they believe it's a done deal as far as him just eventually picking the Gators. Um, there's a lot of optimism up there for sure in Gainesville.
1: Good news for Gator fans are right there. Corey, before we got kind of move on to, to the next topic here, what are you hearing as far as numbers and, and how, how many Florida can fit in this class together? You know, not many spots left for, for this class right now. Uh, and then, kind of, of course, your transfers coming in and out of, the, out of the program. If you had to put a number uh, right now on how many Florida could sign in this class, where would you go with that? Yeah,
0: I mean, I've heard all the way up to 27 at times. I mean, it's just with this class, I think you have it's going to be interesting, and it's, not a sense, it's kind of a sensitive subject to talk about at times, is the whole eligibility, I mean, as far as guys being eligible and actually qualifying. I don't want to say certain names, but I know in the past, like, there's been certain guys in this class that are kind of, I mean, I'm not say long enough to qualify, but, I mean, they're definitely going to have to put in work towards the uh, towards the home stretch. Um, right now, we're seeing it 25. I've heard 27 to 28. That's the number I've been hearing all along. And then, obviously, that number could be a little bit less depending on who gets in and not. Mm-hmm. Most of the class should get in. I'm not saying, like, there's concrete numbers, but all along there's been certain guys in the class that have been kind of, hey, you have to keep an eye on these certain guys. But I've heard 27 to 28 all along, and then we all know the unfortunate part of recruiting, too. I'm not saying anyone's going to get processed out of the class, but I'm sure if there was a big-time kid that lined in the class, I'm sure Borda would make it happen and kind of would have to make those numbers possible. But I would say right now they would have about – Two to three spots, two to three spots left. But like I said, that's a very uh, rough number, depending you know, on who they who qualifies and who doesn't and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I would say twenty-seven to twenty-eight.
1: Okay, Corey. Now, yeah, I've said for for a long time. Uh, if there's a player you really out there, if there's a player out there you really really want, numbers will always work themselves out. Yep, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> just, absolutely. Just, just the way it goes.
0: <laughs> and then this is the year too though. That's the thing though. That's this is the year where that could happen. And that's why you and I talked beforehand, the thing like Dustin Hill, the receiver, who you know, Florida's showing more and more increased interest in. You have Yusuf the wants in the class. I mean, then you have Chimise, I mean, so a sorry, and then you have Arnold. I mean, there's gonna be ha- there's decisions that are gonna be have to be, have to be made regarding those guys. Um, right, especially right now where the class sits. And like I said, twenty five commits I'm just, I'm just. This is just a rough number. I'm just making this number up. Say two guys don't qualify, then it puts you down to 23, and it gives you five spots. It just depends on if some guy on some of the process unfortunately don't qualify, or like you said, some get process out, or like you said, you said best, they make it happen. Regardless of who's on the board, if there's a guy they really want, I know for staff they'll make it happen. And like I said, recruiting's not always peaches and cream, man. I mean, mm-hmm. there's kind of there's unfortunate moments in recruiting. We all know that. And. Just know all the guys left on Florida's board, if Florida wants them and they want it, they'll make it happen. I think we
1: all know that. Before we go further, a quick word from our friends at MyBookie. Ever since I started Gators Breakdown, people have been asking me who's going to win and a lot of time what team they should bet on. Well, the best piece of advice is where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I always tell people to visit MyBookie. They've got deposit matches, free bets, and huge cash prizes for you to take advantage of all season long. NFL action, they have that. College football, they got that too. Plus, they have a mobile-friendly website and top-of-the-line customer service, making their platform a one-stop shop for all your betting needs. And the best part is, my bookie has hooked us up with promo code Gators, which gives you a free $20 wager to get some skin in on the game. It's low risk, high reward, which makes this offer a no-brainer. That's a $20 free bet to use on anything in the sportsbook and it's completely on the house. You can't beat free, and you certainly cannot beat free money. Sign up at MyBookie today and use our promo code Gators to claim your deposit bonus. Stack UFC cards, presidential prop bets, and good times await. Sign up today to begin your winning season only at MyBookie. Corey Bender from Gators Territory joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. And Corey... Yeah, now that we've seen this year's Florida team play and certainly see some of the issues there, let's go back and take a look at a recruit Florida's going to need to grow up fast next season. And with all the issues in the middle of the defensive line, Desmond Watson is a true nose tackle, and he'll have every opportunity to get on the field next season given what we've seen uh, from Florida this season and what they potentially lose uh, after this season. So you know after a, after a couple of cycles of not getting commits to play defensive tackle, the Gators are in dire need there, and, and, and Watson looks like the perfect guy to fill that need.
0: He's that pure nose tackle, man. Put him more in the center. Let him wreak havoc in the A gaps. Land Like you said, a lot of those guys aren't going to have the gaudy stat lines considering the, the position, the role they play. But I think with Watson, man, i talked to someone. I've talked to a close source of the situation three months ago that they think in Florida's whole D-line class, this is before Leonard Taylor can commit to Miami. They feel like when Leonard was really kind of trending towards Florida, they said when it's all said and done, don't be surprised if Watson's the best defensive lineman in that class. And honestly, I agree with that. Like right now at his size, I'm not, I mean, he he has to lose some weight, tighten up his frame a little bit, but same thing like with Ethan White. I think a lot of that weight's going to come shred off fairly easy, especially with good nutrition and going and working with Nick Savage. But I think he's one of the more underrated players in the country. I really do. Um, he, he has a he has freakish athleticism for a kid that size. He can bend, he can dip his shoulder. Um, and he's not just, a, he's not just a um, uses bull rush. He's not just pure power. There's times he uses a nice swim move. He has a nice rip move as well. Um, he's one of the guys, man, personally, when it's all said and done, I think he can be a very, like, all-SEC type player, man. I'm, I'm very – I'm one of the ones that raves about him. I saw him at all the Rivals cancer this year. I don't think he lost one rep. And, and I went to two, three camps with that I saw him live. I don't think he lost one uh, rep as far as one-on-ones. And now you look at him now as far as with conditioning and when you see the finished product, there's so much potential and upside there as far as what he can be over the long haul. So I think with him, I think um, you have Gervon Dexter who really sticks out, who can obviously, he's already seen the field. We already know his ceiling as a player, but I think with Desmond, he's a different player obviously inside, but that gives him another young body in the middle of the defensive line who can definitely wreak havoc and do a lot of damage for Florida. And I think, I, I like I said, I'm not going to, get into the whole rankings thing but I think overall I think many people if you really study his film or seeing him live it's, it's understandable that it's, it's definitely understandable why people are raving about him and why they think he can see the field fairly early
1: and Corey yeah it, it, it was thought that that Florida could be recruiting too many defensive backs this cycle but but with what we've seen so far this season on, on the back end of the defense the Gators need all the help they can get back there, too. So, you know, overall, you feel pretty good about Kyrie Elam, Jaden Hill, Chester Kimbrough, Travis Johnson as, as young players in the secondary moving forward with those guys. And now you have Kamara Wilcoxon, who, who reclassified this year uh, to, to play. And then you add Corey Collier, Jason Marshall, Donovan McMillan, Jordan Young, Dakota Mitchell. You know, this is after adding Mordecai McDaniel, Ethan Pouncey, Jahiri Rogers, Travis Johnson, in Avery Helm, Rashad Torrance, in the last class, there's a lot of names there that you can just list off. Corey, that's a lot of numbers to throw in the back end, and hoping you can find better safety play, as that's that's a position that just you know has not developed over the last three years, and that you know you can bounce back and get great play out of the cornerback position as well.
0: Yeah, I think you know, I know you mentioned Jason Marshall too, but I just want to say I think as far as a pure cover corner in, in this class, he's another one who I think is. I think like, I, we have Corey Kelly ranked higher as a five-star and a lot of this more potential. I um, mean, obviously, he's an outstanding player. But I'm actually very, very high on Jason Marshall, man. I think he's one of those pure cover corners who can come in. I think he'll play very early, I think, with Florida. Um, obviously, you have Gene and Hill. You have Chester. You have other guys in there, too, at corner. But he's one, I feel like, who could definitely see the field very early. And the numbers, like you said, I kind of looked at numbers through the last two classes. It's like, man, it's a lot of bodies, man. I hope they're distributing the numbers properly. But like you said, there's kind of – there's some uncertainty, like you said, especially after this season, as far as which guys are really going to step up and become bona fide starters and really kind of be, really solidify themselves as pure starters. I think with Collier, um, I think he'll play next year, but I think he has some room to grow as far as physically before really seeing the field and. Um and I and I also think too, man. There, there's some guys in this class who I think well, like David McMillan. I, last time I heard, he was over like almost closer to 210 pounds. I think from what I've heard, that middle like linebacker might be the best fit for him long term. He's a more physical kid. Um, he's decent coverage, but he says best in coming up and run support. Obviously, filling the lanes. Um, very physical kid. I think with his frame of where he's at now, I think that's another guy that obviously we have him listed as a safety, but I think he'll be a longbacker long term. Dakota Mitchell, um, I think he fits that star position pretty well. Like Trevez Johnson, I feel like Dakota fits that star position as well. He's a physical kid. He's good in coverage, but he's a very well rounded player. So I think you have a lot of guys who are reversal, can fill a lot of spots. Um, but I think as far as overall, when you look at the class, they definitely hit, they definitely filled a lot of needs. And I think based off what we've seen this year, there's a lot of uncertainty based on what's gonna be there next year. I mean, you know, Kyrie, like you said, Kyrie Elam's probably the most consistent starter in the secondary as far as future, as far as current play. Um, But then, obviously, I know Marco's struggled. Obviously, he'll probably be coming back for another year. Um, And then Gene and Hill is flashed, too. Um, But like I said, I think right now when you look at the numbers – you look. It's, it's gaudy. Either way, even with guys switching positions, it's still a fairly big class. Mm-hmm. Fairly big classes over the last two cycles. But I think you'll see some of those guys kind of transition to different um, different roles with Donovan Midmillan playing the thing. And I think Jordan Young, he's another one, man, where I think he's kind of. I know Florida's very high in him. Um, I know he, he's, he's one in the recruiting rankings. I mean, he's in our Rivals 250. A lot of people don't talk about him as much, but he's another one who I feel like he was like Travez Johnson last year, where he kind of got overlooked a little bit by some of the highly ranked kids. But I think he'll. Eventually people will realize he's that was a good find by 20 and Gray and stuff like that. And I think 20 and Gray should get a lot more credit, man. Like when Trevez Johnson came to that camp last summer, people kind of rolled their eyes, like, man, what offer him this kid? His offer sheet's not that good. Like then you see Clemson offered during the home stretch. And then Jordan Young was another one where people thought he wasn't a take. But then also, you know, based off everything I heard, like Florida was in love with Jordan Young as far as what he brings to the table and they took him with a heart in a heartbeat. Um so there, there's some options in the secondary. Um, a lot of uncertainty too, but as we all know, it's all going to work itself out. And, um, you yeah, know, Jahari Rogers is another the one I've heard great stuff about up in Gainesville, too. So it's going to be interesting. I think DB, the future defensive backfield is going to be the mo- biggest, I'm not going to say question mark as far as talent, but as far as who steps in and fills pure starting roles um, and going into next season, it's definitely going to be one of the bigger headlines.
1: All right. A couple more thoughts here from Corey before we let him go. And, Corey, you, you've hit on it a couple times, uh, I, and I talked about it on a recent episode uh, as well. And I was asked if this defense needs to be rebuilt, and, and I had to think about that for uh, on the fly uh, for a second when I was asked that question. Look, it, it's, it it definitely needed to be rebuilt on the defensive interior, and you've seen the numbers reflect that in recent classes. But Corey, you know, overall, I, I fell back to the defense getting too maybe, maybe too many versatile pieces, and you know, originally. I thought it was a great idea to to get a lot, you know, get defensive backs that could play cornerback, nickel, and safety, or a player that can play outside linebacker, buck, and maybe even some defensive end, or a lineman that can play inside or out. But, you know, the more I look at it, that, that versatility hasn't necessarily sh- shown up so far. You know, we, we identify guys playing in position that that may not suit them as well as others. You know, some players like – we already talked about Amari Burney where we wonder where he fits at all. And, and do you play a linebacker when we see him uh, better off the edge? And, and some of this is out of necessity because of, you know, players like Kyrie Campbell missing time and you having to shuffle the defensive front. But I think, you know, that hammers home the point that if you had some players – that had true positions that you identified in recruiting, that, then maybe some of these issues that we're seeing could have been avoided. And, and I mean, just looking at it on the surface, you know, there seems to be way too many outside linebacker buck types, and they don't really have a true spot yet.
0: Yeah, and the other thing is too. You'll talk to a lot of kids in recruiting about, especially they use to say the outside linebacker and bucks. And a lot of the kids will say, "No, I'm getting recruited for Buck." And I mean, I swear, man, I'll I'll interview six, seven kids, they'll all say, "No, I'm getting recruited for Buck." And I'm like, "Well," in my head, I'm like, "Not everyone can line up at that one position. It's going to be a log jam. But yeah, and that's the thing too, man. There's not there are times in this defense. You look, I think Amari Burney and Diabate are the first two that come to mind for me. Diabate, it's funny because I I liked him way more as a pure Buck. Mm-hmm. I, I really I just thought he was is his quickness off the line he was always one step ahead of any tackle he was going against last year and i know he played limited snaps but i know coming to florida that was one of the key reasons why he wanted to go to florida because i know they're going to give him the opportunity to rush to pass or where schools like auburn and i believe alabama they like him as a traditional linebacker and that was honestly one of the key reasons for what i heard is why he went to florida and then like you said you move a guy back to linebacker and i think at the time when they did do that I understood it because you have Brenton Cox, you have Chris Bogle. You almost have to – you're going to have a big log jam at Buck if you don't move some guys around. But now, like you said, it, w- it hasn't really translated to the field as far as – going to the season, I thought Buck was the most loaded position, yeah. one of the most loaded positions on defense. I thought that was going to be one position we didn't really have to worry much about. But you kind of look at it from week one to now, re- the production hasn't been d- – it hasn't met expectations, put it that way. And I think with some of these guys moving around, it definitely doesn't help. And same with bernie he's played different positions almost every year since he's been on campus. And with a lot of these kids, when you're that young um and you're trying to learn the playbook and you're trying to learn your new role, you're hesitant out there. You're not playing to your full potential because you're thinking too much. And there's a lot of guys you can kind of see that out there. And I think another one's the star position. I know mean, you have some kids that are pure corners coming out of high school, and I think we all know, okay, hey, he's probably going to be a safety at the next level, but. It's good to be versatile, but at the same time, then you have guys thinking way too much. I like guys who have been playing the position for five, six years and say I'm a true defensive end, and they they know their go-to moves. They know what has worked for them in the past, and I think with Florida, they kind of have a reputation for moving guys all around, which on the surface, it looks good. Like, hey, we have all these versatile players, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's translating to the field as far as what everyone thought it was going to be. And yeah, and I agree. Like a Jason Marshall, he's one of the guys who I love. Okay. He's a pure corner. In my opinion, he's not a safety. He's got like Corey Collier. He's a pure core, uh, pure safety. And like I said, those are certain guys like that, where I think you're going to see that over the long haul, just at comfort level, because it's a position they've been playing their whole life. But yeah, I agree. I think with Bernie and Diabate and then even with Marco, I mean, Marco's at star now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a certain guys you even in defensive end and buck, you're certain guys that I think they even had one. I think Brenton Koch at the, uh, Brent Cox at the defensive end. I like him standing up at Buckmore. Right? Absolutely. That's just me. I look, yeah, so there's a certain guys where if it was me, I'd be like, I would like him at this role more. And obviously, I'm not a coach, so you know I mean? I'm not going to go down that road. Mm-hmm. But it's just certain those I, – I agree with you 100%. I think – the, the versatility thing is kind of hurting them more than helping them at this point. Um, like you said, heading into their, their college careers, it looks good. Like, Hey, if it doesn't work here, we can put this kid here. But it's just a lot of the changing positions and kids learning their new scheme, as far as what their role is in the defense, that new position, you always have guys thinking way too much. And these aren't kids in the NFL. These are 18, 19, 20 year old kids. It's it's a process for anyone and you're playing in the sec. So I think the, yeah, like you said, the versatility at times is hurting them more than helping them. And I, I think with this 2021 class, there's a little bit more certainty as with some of the guys. I know the. I think in the secondary, you're always going to have that issue depending on a kid's quick, his hips, and his footwork as far as if he's going to be a pure corner. But there are a lot of guys in this class that really are solidified themselves as their true position. Um, and I think obviously Jason Marshall's one that comes to mind. I'm. I think he'll be a guy that comes to campus and gets on the field fairly early, man. I think he checks off so many boxes, and hopefully they can start going trending in that direction again because. Yeah, like, it's not really showing with Amari Burney, and I think Diabate should be at buck, especially now where the numbers are. I think he should kind of get more reps on the edge. So we'll see, man. I think it's definitely hurting them a little bit. I'm not going to say it's hurting them, but I definitely prefer it more the solidified positions rather than the versatility based off what the performances have looked like through the first few weeks.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And last thought here, Corey. I mean, skip forward to 2022 and, and, and that class right quick because we have to, because, you know, look, safety. Sam McCall, going to make his commitment this week. Everything's pointing to Florida right now. 34th-ranked player uh, on Rivals. And this 2022 class is off to a good start for the Gators. And it looks, looks, looks like it's going to continue this week.
0: Yeah, definitely. With Sam McCall, he's going to be another interesting one. So Rivals has him as the number two safety in the country for that class. But he's a bigger kid, man. He's another one going back to, like, as far as pure positions. But his is just more size where he's at. I think definitely, yeah, is definitely trending very heavily with him. I'd be very shocked if, if you know if he went elsewhere tomorrow. Um, but going into that class, I know like, the commitment numbers haven't really shown in that class yet. It's kind of a pretty slow start as far as commitments, but you can go down the list as far as which guys are trained to Florida. There's a lot of buzz with a lot of kids mm-hmm. as far as where Florida sits. And I think before we know it, that class is going to start filling up, and you need that domino effect from a big kid like Sam McCall um, to really get someone's attention. And his teammate, uh, teammate Javante McClendon, um, he's in contact with Florida every day as well. So after Sam McCall commits it wouldn't surprise me to see McClendon join the class um, shortly thereafter. Um, he hasn't really hinted at that yet, but usually in recruiting, it's always that first domino that really falls. And then after that, you start seeing guys join the class. and That momentum starts to really pick up. Um, I talked to another kid this week, too. I, uh, I talked to um, Mikel Williams. He's a defensive end of Georgia. He was raving about Florida when I talked to him. And then, one, and then Julian Armella, on the number one offensive tackle in the country for 2022 class i'll actually have a story on that tonight but um he's in t- contact with four to four times a week roughly um, and he basically said his relationship with Dan Mullen and Hevesy is outstanding. Um, they're really pushing the right bonds with him. Derek Wingo has been in his ear. Um, you know, Tyreek Sapp is a former teammate. Um, there's going to be a lot of guys right now that have Florida near the very top of their list, but they're just not ready to pull the trigger yet. And I, but I think now with Sam McCall, who, like I said before, I'd be very surprised if he didn't pick Florida tomorrow. Um, he's the type of talent that really gets the attention of the kids all across the map. And there's guys all, especially in Polk County is a talent-rich area. Um, a lot of you have Gabe Dindy at Lakeland who has Florida list, it wouldn't surprise me to see that pick up that 2022 class. And I think by the end of the year, they should, I would be, they should be probably sitting with a handful of commits. Um, and then after that, you'll just see the dominoes start to fall. But like I said, it starts with a guy like Sam McCall. And, um I think Florida fans should be expecting some very good news
1: tomorrow. Great news. Great news mm-hmm. there. Corey, man, thank you so much Uh taking time out from, from, from the, uh, the new baby uh, and being a new dad and all that stuff. And I, I can't thank you enough for joining us here on Gators Breakdown.
0: No, no, thank you so much, as always, Dave. It's always a pleasure, man. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for all the wishes on the baby. And, yeah, we'll definitely catch up here soon.
1: Big thanks to Corey there and all the recruiting knowledge that he brings. And, look, the recruiting never stops, as I said at the beginning of this episode. So had to get him on here to to discuss everything that's going on in recruiting, like I said good news to start the week for the Gators and that news looks like it will continue for the Gators on the recruiting front throughout the week with the uh, upcoming commitment of Sam McCall so everybody thanks for joining me on this episode of Gators Breakdown I am your host David Waters you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave_sec. underscore SEC guys and girls out there thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown